Okay, that one hit me hard, Josh. Graduation song. Josh, Josh's <laughs> final objective is to try and you think we'll break try? you. Get me to be emotional on the radio? Well, if there's anyone that's going to do it, it's our next guest, Charles Davis, NFL and CBS color analyst. Joining us from sunny Seattle. It's probably still middle of night, so no sun yet. But Charles, thanks for coming on bright and early for our last show. It's just a perfect way to wrap it up. Yeah, thanks for having me on for your last show. And, and congratulations to you both, first and foremost. Thank you. That is fantastic uh, what you guys have done. And I think it's just wonderful. Yes, it's Seattle still middle of the night, essentially, so we're okay. I feel like this is a weird game for you. I, I don't remember you really ever calling us pre-Panther Seahawks or even on a Seahawks beat. Like, I, I feel like you're always over in, like, Bengals territory. Is this a different one for you? It is a different one. I, I would agree with that. I, I know there was a lot made um, going into this season. Remember before the schedule release? How many times did the two of you hear something, you know, along the lines from the league Hey, there are no more, you know, true AFC, NFC. It just stays that way with the networks. It's a brand new contract. There's more flexibility. Um, will AFC still be anchored into with CBS and, and NFC with with the with the other network? Yes, it'll still be that way. But way more flexibility, way more crossover. Then the schedule came out and the TV assignments were made. And it was still over ninety percent for both of them. Still AFC, NFC. So. You're exactly right. This is still a little bit unusual, even though we thought there would be more of these games for both networks. Well, a bit of an odd game, maybe, but we'll still dive into it nonetheless. Uh, the Seahawks have been one of the more interesting stories, I think, to start uh, the season because they were embarrassed in week one, and then they kind of buck everyone's expectation and beat the team that beat the Chiefs on opening night. Uh, so what's closer to the truth for the Seahawks, do you think, week one or week two? Justin, I think week two is closer to, to the truth about the team. And I think the way you laid it out is, is pretty perfect. I'll just ask you very quickly going into it. We thought they'd be two and zero at this point, right? Like the Rams game and the opener was at home. Mm-hmm. And I don't think very many people had great expectations for the Rams with the roster churn that they've had the uncertainty about Sean McVay again, right? All those things, you name it. And then they went out and the thing that alarmed people the most, if you're a Seahawks fan was after the ball game was over two of their most prominent players, including Geno Smith, their, their quarterback said the Rams just played harder and seemed like they wanted it more on opening day. That, that really, what, what? And then as, as you pointed out after Dan Campbell's crew went to Kansas city and won, you would have thought flying high at home. This is, this legitimizes them as the good team we thought they were. And then <laughs> Seattle goes in there and gets them in, a, in an overtime thriller. Uh, and that was a really good game. So I do suspect closer to game two than, than game one. But right now, because they are one and one and how it went, they are sitting right in the middle. So it, in a lot of ways, this is a really big game for them because Carolina came in here last year and beat them. So this is going to be interesting to watch. Carolina without Bryce Young, um, most likely not expected to suit up. Uh, looks like it'll be good old Andy Dalton um, in line to start. I know that l- takes a little bit of the intrigue away, obviously the number one pick in this year's NFL draft. But, I mean, how concerned are you about Bryce Young and I guess the effort that's going to be put on the field uh, without him? Yeah, I- I'm not overly concerned. And it's a weird one, Alish, because, 
obviously I'm not sitting in their training room and, and know what the true, you know, examination and diagnosis was of his injury. But, you know, this one kind of came out of nowhere for all of us, right? Because he got hurt in the game on Monday night, but he played throughout, and it was never even a mention that he was hurt. And then to find out later on, yeah, he got dinged in that game, and now this is happening, this is going on. I wonder if, if we really if we were able to really question them and say, okay, question for you. If this were a playoff game, would he be playing in this one? If this were such and such. I don't know if it's as much, you know, I, I know he's hurt. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But are they just erring on the side of, you know, what's that term we got from COVID? An overabundance of caution? Mm. Oh, yeah. And maybe they want him to take a step, you know, maybe they want him to take a step back and take a breath because right now, just by stats, you know, it's not going very well. Yeah, is he completing passes? Sure. But, guys, he is averaging 4.2 yards per attempt, which is beyond low, mm. like it's historically low of any quarterback who's made his first two starts in the NFL. Is he 0-2? Sure. You know, most quarterbacks come out going to be 0-2 that are rookie quarterbacks. That happens way more often. There's a great stat from since the common draft of 1967, 27 quarterbacks have gone overall number one. Out of those 27, 18 have begun their careers 0-2. Only one quarterback out of those 27 started 2-0. and was John Elway, and his throwing stats – let you know that he wasn't the reason they went to and I was like 10 of 29, 129 yards or something like that. And, and you know, they, they just aren't great. He ended up seven touchdowns, 14 interceptions rookie year. So this happens a lot, but it just feels like they want him to breathe a little bit because the game has come at him pretty fast and furious. And that's not unusual for a rookie. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's getting much help. Uh, if your skill position players aren't giving you much, aren't getting yeah. open, it's going to be that much more difficult for someone who's trying to learn uh, on the fly. Uh, you pulled from that first overall data pool. Uh, there's not much of a data pool for a guy like Brock Purdy, uh, but he continues to lead good results for the San Francisco 49ers 3-0. and but you're watching that game like that. Nah, it was a bit of a snooze fest last night, but Brock Purdy wasn't necessarily yeah. all that sharp did throw for over 300 yards, uh, two touchdowns, but like that could be the best team in the league, but that best team in the league has a quarterback who clearly doesn't come from the highest pedigree has been very, very good, but has also showed limitations. I mean, it feels like the same thing over and over again for me with San Francisco best team, not the best quarterback. And what really, really matters the most in the end is having an elite level quarterback that can win you playoff games. So are you looking at this scenario like, Hey, this is a missed opportunity again, or do you believe in Brock Purdy being better than he was last night, growing again over the course of the season and being that quarterback who can win a Super Bowl? Yeah, much more towards the latter because of what I saw last year and coming into this year. But because of the injury in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game, the surgery, the offseason where it wasn't the same getting ready, it was much more rehab than it was you know, preparation. I, I'm, I'm eager to see how it goes over the next four, five, six weeks and see if the sharpness continues to grow for him. Because they made a decision that he is our guy, period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. You know? And obviously, you know, Trey Lance no longer there. Um, Sam Darnold, no, no question, he's the number two. We'll work our way through it. And they're good enough, as you pointed out, to win kind of a snooze fest of a game 
not be super sharp, and he still ends up over 300 yards. So they just figure things are going to keep getting better with him. They absolutely believe in him, and and I'm willing to go with that because what I saw last year in the first seven that he or six or whatever number it was that he played, I was blown away like everyone else, and and realizing they're not winning every game simply because he's turning and handing the ball off. He's actually making plays. And no, he didn't come from the highest pedigree. And I'm not going with the obvious comparisons about him going in the seventh and some, some a certain other quarterback going, you know, late in the draft too. But at the same time, I think we're going to see, there's a chance we'll see more and more of these stories, Justin. And what I mean by that is this, these quarterbacks are going to come out earlier in the draft, redshirt sophomore year, right? Junior year. They will not have the same number of starts as the guy who stays all the way through. You know, redshirted gets five years. Now with the COVID, maybe he's there six years. Purdy with his 46, 48 starts, whatever. I think there was something to that. High-level games, big-time games, taking a program that's not great, turning into a program that that played for a championship in, in the Big 12. I could go on and on. Sometimes the right guy matches the right place, and it hits. And I feel like that's what's happened with Brock Purdy in San Francisco. I don't think the story is the same or as interesting if he goes to another place, you know, and I'm not saying all other places, just a place that maybe doesn't develop him or work with him the way that San Francisco does its quarterbacks. The eligibility thing makes me laugh because I saw um, online a couple of days ago that there's a Miami football player who's petitioning for a ninth year of eligibility. Ninth year. Ninth year. He's, he played. He, that's like Miles Sanders and Nick Bosa would have been players from his recruiting class. <laughs> They're already in the NFL. Anyway, you know, nine years is wild. That's a great one, Alish. Hey, real quick for both of you coming out of university and coming out of school, we all were eager to leave. And then probably a year into my so-called real life, <laughs> I was looking longingly back at, could I, I wish I were back at college right now. <laughs> so I totally get petitioning for a ninth year. A year? He, he how, may about, how about 13 years later? His future better. I'd like, right? be, I'd like to be back you know, there right now. You look at it and you go, God, those, <laughs> those, those weren't bad years. And maybe this kid knows something earlier than we ever recognized it. Who knows? Uh, perhaps hang on to the dream as long as you can. Van Wilder it if you right. uh, can. Um, Micah Parsons <laughs> oh, nice been a <laughs> Micah Parsons been a big big story to start this uh, NFL season. Um, the idea of a defensive player winning the MVP seems very very far fetched. But if anyone yeah. was going to do it, is it Micah Parsons? Like it's way too early to talk about that. Win the defensive player of the year first. But is Micah Parsons that impactful where we should be discussing him among the likes of the greatest quarterbacks who are playing the game right now? Yeah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And you're right, quote unquote, too early, et cetera, except that Micah Parsons has built up a, 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 a play level that we can relate to and go, okay, he's still on that track. Like if this were his rookie year, I would totally argue, okay. All right, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see what we get. Well, we're multiple years into his career now, and he's done this since year one, and now he's doing it again at a higher level, and his team's undefeated. And sure, it's way too early, but that's what we do. That's what we're built for, right? So let's just put it this way. Let's pose it this way. If he continues to play at this level and the Cowboys continue to win at this level, should he be in the MVP conversation? The answer is absolutely yes, because he'll totally be helping drive that team. This is 
you know, look, I'm old enough that, you know, anytime someone goes, you know, he's like Lawrence Taylor. Oh, here we go. The Lawrence Taylor comparison. But guess what? There is a Lawrence Taylor comparison to be made with a little bit of a twist. Lawrence didn't move around much on defense. You knew where he was going to be. And the left tackle of whoever he was playing did not sleep for that week getting ready for Lawrence Taylor. Then as Joe Gibbs, the head coach of Washington, brought us an H back, right? Because they needed an extra blocker to try and chip out on on Lawrence, try to slow him down. He changed the game that way. You have to bring extra people for him. Micah Parsons is the same way, but here's the twist. Where will he show up to come after your quarterback? If you pop up the chart, you say, okay, he comes from this side, this many times, this side, this many times. He comes through the B gap. He comes through the A gap. He's all over the place. So it's not just a left tackle trying to get ready for him and study an extra tape. It's everyone on the offensive front. It's an offensive coordinator trying to scheme who's going to block him and pick him up. Because if you're just allowing one person to block him, you just might as well just lay down a welcome mat towards your quarterback because he's going to be there. And he's going to, he's beating two or three people anyway. How do you do this? Yeah, he's creating rubble for a lot of people. He's creating havoc for people trying to design things. And then those who have to execute it, as I said, not a whole lot of sleep and a lot of nervous days. Yes, he should be in that conversation. And for all of us who vote for that, and I, I'm, I'm not one of them, but all those people who vote for it, we have to look at the, you know, how the impress person is impacting things as opposed to just saying, which quarterback do I like best? That's our MVP this year. We're chatting with Charles Davis, who's putting a new spin on Sleepless in Seattle, joining us from Seattle at uh, very <laughs> wee hours of the morning. Um, okay, so a couple of 0-2 teams uh, this weekend that maybe have to keep their season alive. And one of them is the Bengals, of course, being a big storyline this year. Yeah. Joe Burrow nursing that calf injury. Uh, didn't practice Thursday, but nonetheless, 0-2. They've done it before, but do you believe enough in this Bengals team that they can bounce back after a slow start once again? I believe in them enough talent-wise. I believe in them enough coaching-wise. Joe Burrow's injury complicates things because it's the type of injury that we knew going into the season had a chance of tweaking again, and it tweaked early on him. And their schedule is a beast. They play all the top teams because they are one of the top teams. When you win a division, you know how it goes, Alish and Justin. You win your division, your schedule is going to be tougher because you're going to play somebody else's first-place grouping. That's what they're getting. That's what they deal with. And they're, and they're battling crazy history. Oh, and two teams have made the playoffs. We know that. Bengals were the latest one to do it. Not a ton of them, but it's not out of line. But never has a team started 0-2 two, two seasons in a row and made the playoffs in both of those seasons. So that's it. Now you've got that extra layer of our historical math coming at them. Do I think they're good enough to do it? I sure do. Well, Baltimore has, has stolen a game early in the season by having five starters out and, and started out 2-0. and Pittsburgh, Justin, you had asked earlier, you know, are they closer to this or closer to that, right? Are they closer to game two or game one? Probably closer to game two, but they still have issues on offense. But they're, they're Pittsburgh. They're going to be a battle. And Cleveland, who lost to Pittsburgh on Monday night, I feel like, you know, Nick Chubb's injury may have changed their whole dynamic. And even with Nick Chubb's injury, it felt like they were better than Pittsburgh on Monday and found a way to lose it. So we'll see. We'll see. Cincinnati talented enough? Yes. 
but it's a lot of history, Alicia, that they're dealing with right now. The biggest thing is just how hurt is Joe Burrow? Because do you know who his backup is? Nobody as good as Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played, young lady. Well played. <laughs> now, it's, it's a young man. It's a young man by the name of Jake Brown. Mm. who came out of the University of Washington a bunch of years ago, a lot of records, the whole thing, threw 91 touchdowns in a single season in high school in California, but came in undrafted and has been on practice squad rosters and has not taken a snap, if I'm, if I'm correct on this, in an NFL game, but, some, but somehow won the number two job this year. Okay. So that would change their dynamic considerably things to keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, I guess we don't know if he's as good as Joe Bur- Burrow than he, yet, he right? Could be, he could Brock Purdy this <laughs> thing. You Purdy never know. Um, all right, so I guess got a similar vein of quarterbacks that got something to prove. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued for Jets-Patriots because I feel like it could be our first opportunity to really learn like what Zach Wilson could be this season. Obviously came in oof, uh, 75 seconds into yeah. the first game against the Bills, found a way to win that one. They got cooked by the Cowboys, but the Patriots, I feel like, okay, now it's week three. We've got settled in a little bit. Uh, these two teams are kind of going to be vying for that last spot there. Do you think we're going to learn what we get in Zach Wilson this week on Sunday. I think he has to tell. He, I think he has to reveal what we're going to get this weekend. I really do. I don't think. I don't think it's a, a wait and see time. I don't think it's an ease into it. I don't think it's a ramp up. This is his what third season in the league. We saw what we've seen early, and of course last year when the Jets were seven and three and then imploded in big part because of how he played. It has to happen. And I am of the opinion, and I'm really firm on this, the Jets have to protect him, of course, and he has to protect the Jets by making sure he doesn't turn the ball over, right, by making sure he makes the right reads and doesn't get too crazy. But I don't think the Jets make the playoffs if he is totally playing not to lose. I just don't think it happens. If he's a full game manager, Jets don't make the playoffs because there's too much pressure on even their great defense. They drafted him because of playmaking ability. They drafted him because of certain off-platform plays that he could make. They drafted him because he played the position with a certain moxie and verve. Well, guess what? They're going to need some of that, too. So they're going to have to walk a heck of a line with him. And he's got to make some of those plays that got him drafted and find a way to avoid the plays that got him benched last year. We're going to find out a lot. And by the way, the Patriots, could they be more vulnerable right now? They, they beat the Jets 14 straight times, and the Patriots have a chance to start the season 0-3 if the Jets win this one. The Jets have to have this one, in my opinion. Absolutely have to have it. They have to end that streak. They have to announce to the world that they're still going to be a battling contender. Our defense is going to be there, and this quarterback that we drafted number two overall is going to start to fulfill his promise. To me, it starts on Sunday. I haven't seen the total in that Jets uh, Patriots game, but it might have to start with a two. I don't know if there's going to be much offense uh, in that game uh, with Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, but more importantly, two really good defenses. Uh, Last one for you, Charles. Um, If Jonathan Taylor wasn't liberated by that Nick Chubb injury, should we just put that conversation to a bed? Like it cannot happen a a trade involving Jonathan Taylor, because that just seemed like the perfect time for someone to make the move or the perfect uh, situation for someone to feel the need to go out and get what is an impact runner believed to be available right now. Yeah. And I know immediately people were saying Cleveland, go get him, go get him. 
I don't know that Cleveland has any capital to go get him because all that capital is in their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's struggling right now. The flip side of that, Justin, is, yeah, you're looking at Jonathan Taylor and the runner and the whole deal. The flip side is we just saw what happened to Nick Chubb. Do I want to go get him and put that capital in the runner? I think, if anything, it might have scared people off even more. Mm-hmm. And all the things that the runners were talking about in the off season, you know, hey, you guys, hey, what about us? And all the people who were paying the contracts are like, yeah, this is why. It's a very unfortunate deal, to put it mildly. To see this happen twice with Nick Chubb, it just breaks my heart because he's a really good guy, too, besides being a, a great ball player. But I just don't know that people are going to make that move, Justin. I just don't. That they're just going to go like the Cam Akers deal is much more likely to happen. You're not giving up a heck of a lot. You're taking a little bit of a gamble on a guy, et cetera. Jonathan Taylor is going to, that's, that's a high wire act. We're talking big money on that one and big moves. I just don't know. So I don't know that it's actually going to free him as much as maybe it makes it even harder for him to move. Charles Davis calling Panthers Seahawks this Sunday on NFL and CBS. Charles, I've had such a pleasure talking to you for the last two years, every Friday morning. You are a fan favorite here in, uh, on our station. And of course with Justin and I, so we want to say thank you for always coming on and giving us a wonderful look and insight and uh, good advice, like to stay regal. And I'll remember that one forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate that very much coming from the two of you. I congratulate you both. You've earned it, obviously. You are wonderful, phenomenal at what you do. Thank you for having me on. And it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where I am in the time zones to get up and talk to the two of you. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. I did tell you to stay regal, and then you went through the table anyway. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go over that another time. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the last thing I'm going to say is I'm just so happy for the two of you. Thank you, you know, Charles. You guys have earned it. It's wonderful. The people there, they get to experience this each and every time you're on. And they'll keep experiencing it just in a different time zone. And Justin, as you know, Ailish went to Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We just lost Dartmouth's football coach, oh, Buddy Tevens, who was a deep, deep friend of mine, mm-hmm. very, very close friend of mine that made me part of his family. Mm-hmm. And I think of, I think of him as family. And it's just my heart is broken mm-hmm. when, when this news, when I got the news on this. This man made such an impact in the world on people. If you read up on him, you'll see that yeah. he was a bit, he was bigger than a football coach. He was a true person of the world that, that we're going to miss terribly. But I'm going to miss you two terribly as well. Congra- oh, thanks, congratulations. Continued success. And, and we'll talk down the road somehow, some way, okay? We certainly will. We got your number. So we'll be calling you up at our 6 p.m. time slot sometime. All right, Charles? Please your wake up. Please do. Keep the text coming. We got we to continue to stay in touch. Uh, we definitely will. Guys. Thanks, Charles. Have a good call this weekend. That's Charles Davis. The best. If we were doing that, like we, we could have done this, like the Fannies, like a little award oh, over the award show over the last year. The best advice ever given on this show was regal. to stay regal from I'm, Charles Davis. I'm glad he just brought up the Buddy Tevens um, passing. This was really tough on the Dartmouth community. And he was a longtime Dartmouth head coach of the football team, also Dartmouth alumni. And he did so much for the culture of athletics at Dartmouth. Like I remember... I'm on the women's hockey team. We don't 
you know, we don't really cross paths much with the football team, but he would go out of his way to stop us, say, how's it going, girls? Like, what's what's on the schedule this weekend? How's the team looking? You know, is there anything we can do to help you? Is there anything we can do to help promote, get the guys there? Like, he went out of his way to every team to go and attend, to help share the message, to get his guys to go and support women's sports, all the other sports that weren't getting attention. He was absolutely maybe my favorite person mm. that wasn't associated with the team that we met at Dartmouth. Um, and if you go look at uh, what he's done as a coach in the NFL, in the NCAA, with wherever he's been, he was actively promoting women's head coaches. I think most NFL coaches that are female came up through Buddy. He gave them opportunities. He went out of his way to speak to reporters, um, student reporters, to give them the time to like work on their craft. So we lost a, a really special part of our community uh, kind of tragically as well. Um, so... With his family, thoughts for Buddy Tevens and also like our whole community. And, you know, I saw Peyton Manning sharing messages like this is an NFL level connection, as Charles said, a really good friend of his as well. So we'll miss him. Um, and I know that the the football team is going to play real strong for him this season. So looking forward to hopefully getting down to a game um, to support. So glad that Charles brought that up. Yeah. Well, that was an emotional 20 minutes there. So <laughs> You ready for a chew? I'm ready for... Something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. There it is, folks. <laughs> For the last time. You know what? I wasn't Yum, gonna... yum, yum. Oh, oh, I ruined it, Josh. Forget what I said, Josh. Um, I said I was leaving this on Thursday, but Travis Kelsey will not shut up about Taylor Swift. And it's my last yum, yum, yum. And my last chew. Okay. Your world. So he went on the Pat McAfee show. Like, he cannot get bigger and bigger platforms than this. Like, he just wants to get his name in the headlines with Taylor Swift. He won't literally shut up about it. So he offered some insight into his budding relationship with Miss Taylor Swift. This is happening, though? Yeah. You hate that it's happening? No, I mean, it's life, baby. It's life. I threw it out there. I threw the ball in her court. And, you know, I told her, you know, maybe uh, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock the stage in Arrowhead and see which one's uh, a little more lit. So we'll see uh, We'll see what happens in the near future. Dog. Travis! Hey! All right now. All right now! God, that is the most cringe-worthy. <laughs> if somebody... We get a we lot of it. messages on the show, I'll tell you that. I get a lot of messages. That one is the ick. I was just to say we, that we did ick. ick. That's ick. He's gonna talk himself out of this relationship before it oh, starts. If she she heard this, she's probably like, "Delete my number. Never yeah. speak. Don't keep my name out of your mouth." Oh, see which one's more lit at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm like, this girl literally made a billion dollars on her global tour. She's selling out. People are selling kidneys to go to Taylor Swift shows because her tickets are tens of thousands of dollars. And he's like, "Yeah, man, we'll see you at Arrowhead." Yeah. Ugh. That yeah, he's sucked. like, he's like th- that was that was typical. Like we just talked about university, but like oh. ten years ago, guys talking to their buddies about that's girls a guy going for nine di- year and eligibility. And it's just like if she heard that, it sucked. Uh, it's over, pal. I think it might be over. Just over before talks it himself into nothing. That is that was that made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it was really bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it might be the last of that update because um, I think that she might ghost him. So. Let's continue our run of favorite guests on our final day on the Fan Morning Show. Nick Caprios. Kipper is going to join us after the break. We'll be seeing a lot of Kipper in person as his time slot butts up right against ours. We'll have a five-minute interaction between commercial breaks. And you could size him up, feel a little 
Underwhelming, maybe, compared to the beast <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is Nick Kiprios. <laughs> definitely. All right, he joins us next. We'll have Jeff Blair at 8 a.m., and then we're going to wrap up our show with a little open block, have a little fun before we say goodbye. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fan morning show, Justin and Ailish. We got lots of texts in here. Um, let's sprinkle a couple of them while we wait for Kipper. I asked about the Roman Empire, and Andrew Muskoka says, I think about the Greek Roman Empire about every two months. It'll be random things like gods and then trying to inform my kids about life before TV. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the funny thing about that TikTok is. Like, is it like that it is you just have... random. That you actually have like a... T- like a an amount of time, an allotment of time. To think about things. <laughs> that you think about it and you know this is how much you think about it. I guess that's it. I'm kind of explaining the joke, though. Someone goes... Or trying to, at least. I think about the Summit Series at least once a month. The Roman Empire, never. Mike and Angus says, I think about it once a year when we watch the Ten Commandments or Ben-Hur. I don't know that. We get lots of really nice texts in, too. There, are, there are quite a few. Are you resisting the urge to read them? No, it's really sweet. Um, would you want to sprinkle some in here? It's, I mean, it's it's uh, the text line. I will miss it, them. Is, is, I mean, you're going to have the opportunity still to be on the text line, but you've connected with people on the text line beyond, I mean, I only have hosted a show with you, so I guess I can't really compare. But there's like a special it's connection. become a part of my life. The morning listeners, and of course yourself, Ailish, which is nice. And, <laughs> I, and you're seeing that all play out today on the text line, which it's pretty, it's a little emotional. Brandon from Keswick, I would like to say how it's truly been an amazing time listening to you guys every single morning. You guys truly know how to start my day off with the two best radio hosts I've listened to. Happy Friday. Look forward to my senator starting preseason Monday. Ooh, Michael Andlauer just took over, eh? Officially. We'll see what happens, eh? statement yesterday. It's really, uh, really sweet. Georgina for life. That's why he probably felt excited to chat. All the Hamlets. Um, Adam in the truck. Remember Adam in the truck? Doesn't text it in much. Good morning, guys. It was great hearing your voices in the morning. From wake and rake to something to chew on to the A-list. Justin's bets that I faded many times. And so much more that you brought daily. I wish you both nothing but the best going forward. Bunker will sure appreciate the ability to sleep. He certainly will. Looking forward to the Leafs pregame. Good luck again. That's Adam in the truck. I'm sure we'll have some sort of gambling content or sports betting content in our next iteration. But it won't be the wake and rake, which, of course, will be done by Brent and Ben. But the burden lifted off my shoulders of giving bad picks to the listeners yeah. every day. I mean, I feel I feel, feel, I, feel relieved, libera- eh? I feel liberated. I'm not like Jonathan Taylor. Like, I am free <laughs> of the shackles of putting bad picks out there. Uh, well, we know our buddy Giacomo, who texts in every single morning, sometimes before the show has even started. Sent in a very nice message. Um, I want to congratulate you guys for getting the new time slot. You guys will be sadly missed in the morning. The way you interact with our fellow grinders at 6 a.m. will be missed a lot. I could go on and on, but I won't. Didn't ever expect to be attached to a show or a text line like I did with your show. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that share my thoughts. Have a great show, and let's have some fun. Giacomo and Windsor. There you go. Okay, we got it out of our system. And Giacomo nice. deserves to be read. He's so. a wonderful, wonderful there you guy. Go. Okay, we asked for the best of the best on our final fan morning show, and we got him. Kipper, how's it going? Well, this is our last morning together. That's right. Is that correct? It sure is. How do you feel? Uh, 
don't know. Yeah, I guess okay. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Kevin? They're just they're really messing with my get home after five mm-hmm. barbecue, you know, a little Buddha and then mm-hmm. puck drop and now I gotta go to six. Mm-hmm. Now I'll be racing. You know, do I pre set the barbecue beforehand? Be marinating those steaks all day, Kipper, because you're going to have a short amount of time to grill them up. Like your time slot now goes right to ours, and we're going to see each other a lot too. So you might be sick of us. We, we might also demand that you stick around for a half hour. <laughs> well, how about we just bring the barbecue to us? Oh, nice that is idea. a great idea. There's some space here at the building. Like there's like a lot of parking spots. There's a lot, a lot that we could we could barbecue it up. What do you think? I say we just bring the barbecue right into the studio. I mean. You're full of content ideas. We got lots of time to brainstorm some, but those listening, that's one of those little uh, George Foreman grills even, just a small, if if they can't have the full barbecue, we can have a little baby one. Well, we'll make the necessary adjustments, no question. I love it. Okay, so we're going to be a 6 p.m. start, and you guys are 4 to 6 with a national hour at 5 o'clock. For everyone that knows that, Real Kipper and Bourne moving a little bit, but it will be bigger and better. Um, I wanted to ask you about... And all kidding aside, aside, I'm I'm really excited uh, about it. And, you know, I'm I'm more excited for guys like uh, Justin Bourne and Sam McKee um, who have worked really hard the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And, of course, you know, we've had this two-year run already. And, uh, you know, for, for Sportsnet to think highly enough of uh, the three of us to put us uh, in this time slot, mm-hmm. I think, is, uh, you know, is, is humbling in, in so many ways. But, you know, just to talk to, to Sammy and Justin uh, daily now and to hear how excited they are and uh, next-level stuff is you guys. Right, it's only it's only bigger and and better for for the two of you as well. So super excited. Yeah, well, thank you. It's much deserved for you guys, and the show is great and well loved. Um, so we'll have big shoes to follow when we step in at six o'clock, um, figuratively and literally. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, training camp because I was asking Justin about like how hard the skate test looks from the outside. The Leafs were doing it yesterday, like 20 minutes end to end boards to boards, pretty gutting stuff. What was the skate test? What was the training camp like for you when you were playing? Well, the thing you realize is that for, for the players, uh, when it comes to peak conditioning and feeling great, like it, it, it doesn't get any better than, you know, the last 24 or 48 hours you've been training for, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. Some of these guys, don't take much more than a week or two off on the season, depending on whether you made the playoffs, got knocked out in the first round, or went to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, to each his own on on the breaks that you you take off. But like you'll never feel better than you do um, right now. And, and in saying that, it only goes downhill from here, right? With the wear and tear and the stress. And, you know, some, some have a little bit more than others, uh, you know, some are, some are feeling it. Some have a Willie Nylander kind of laid back approach on a, a lot of things, but this is where you have to show, uh, you know, how hard you worked in the summer and how much you cared. And it, it, it's important to coaches. It's a co- uh, important to management. It, it's important to scouts who some of them put their, their neck on the line, their reputation on the line to either pick you or trade for you. And, you know, you have to show well this time of year. So, you know, 
overall, I think every team comes into training camp feeling like uh, they're Stanley Cup uh, winners. They're, they've got the rookie of the year. They've got the MVP. And then by mid-November, there's half the league panicking about getting guys out. So it's, it's always fun this time of year. Uh, it certainly is. Not so much fun, I guess, for William Nylander in his scrum yesterday, like as cool as he is and as unbothered uh, he seems to be. I mean, it probably is very, very annoying. Asked in different ways the same question over and over and over again. So we did learn yesterday, of course, uh, or were confirmed at least, that William Nylander doesn't want to talk about it. But do you expect that there will be talks about William Nylander in his contract ongoing, or do you expect that that sort of conversation to be shelved between Treliving and Nylander's agent, Louis Gross? Yeah, it gets shelved, and the media is not done. They're, they're not going to come back and think that they're going to reinvent uh, a different angle on the question to, to get a different answer. There is no answer. There's just a token, token cliche of, of I'll let my, my, you know, I'll let my agent handle it or I'll let the team handle it. There's, there's nowhere to go. And I, the only question is, is how, what's the perception of the fan base or the media they're gonna. What what isn't gonna change, Justin, is the three of us or anyone else outside of uh, our conversation today um, trying to read the tea leaves on if he's staying or if he's playing his way out. And you know it can go a number of ways. He can get off to a terrific start. He can go on a fifty goal pace, and then the conversations will be uh, he's too expensive. You got to move him. But that won't change, you know, the the, uh, the fact that, you know, Willie will just go about his business and, and so will the Leafs behind the scenes. It'll just be our noise on conversations much different, no 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 different than, than what we experienced last year, our constant conversations on, on Matthews, whether he'll stay, whether he'll play it out, whether it'll be short-term, long-term. That, that's a season-long conversation as it will be for Willie. He's already the topic of conversation in terms of on ice as well, uh, moving to center, at least to start training camp. Um, what do you make of, of that shift? Obviously, he's played it before, so it's not the first time ever. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of positives that can be made from it. Him both proving himself as a little bit more well-rounded and financially in the contract year, but also gives us, uh, the center depth a little bit more look for the Maple Leafs. They have a, quote-unquote, superstar almost on every single line for the top three at least. Um, do you like the idea of that, that Nylander gets an opportunity to try something a little different this year. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm a not, deep sigh. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> um, I, I get the fact that you want to kind of have a different look, right? And, you know, when you've, when you've bought into keeping that core group together, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's maybe a, a change for the sake of making a change which I'm not entirely, you know, against. At least it gives a topic of conversation. It changes it up. It has a different feel, maybe a different energy. I'm okay with that. Do I think that Willie Nylander will stay there and this has long-term, you know, um, effects on, on the Leafs? I, I don't necessarily buy it. And... You know, I've, I've I've had conversations with Justin and, and Sammy two years ago saying that uh, they should think about Willie or or uh, I was pushing more Marner mm-hmm. at center 
And I think if if he really wanted to have an impact as a as a a centerman, uh, it should be Mitch Marner, not Willie Nylander. Uh, Mitch has shown a, a conscience for defensive hockey. Even if you watch him as as a winger to to Matthews or Tavares over the years, he's he's the third guy. He's the guy that uh, wants to make sure that there are no man, uh, no odd man rushes. He's the one that's back helping. I mean, is, is that Willie? Um, is that Willie uh, committed to to playing centerman in a 200 foot game? Uh, it could be. We'll, we'll we'll watch. The proof will be in the pudding. But right now, um, I still see a guy that loves his goals, loves to have these calculated uh, moments when he breaks the zone early. If you count the breakaways, the number of breakaways, like, go, uh, I don't know, is there is there a stat for that? Is there analytics? How many breakaways? Should be. Willie, Willie, Nylanders, <laughs> Willie Nylanders had and how many Mitch Marners had uh, over the last, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Um, it's, it's, it's hard work and it's a real commitment to a 200 foot game without, you know, those calculated cheat, uh, 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 moments. And I don't know after almost 10, 10 years in the organization, now you're going to convert Willie to a, uh, a center position. Um, but listen, I mean, he's a talented guy. If he's willing to come to work every day and work on that 200 foot game, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's impossible, but I, I I don't like the odds. Is it uh, possible that the, that the issue with moving William Nylander to center is twofold in that uh, you might risk alienating John Tavares? I mean, he came over here and uh, and part of it was part of the pitch was, hey, you're going to play with Mitch Marner, uh, not playing with Mitch Marner anymore, not playing with William Nylander, but Matthew Nyes and Sam Lafferty. Uh, can John Tavares be as productive as he needs to be on a second line playing with guys who are... Uh, let's face it, sort of fr- not fringe NHL, but guys who still have a lot to prove to be even on a roster for a team that's, you know, got some ambition. Well, listen, there's, there's no question that uh, a guy like Willie Nylander, who, uh, again, maybe part of the reason why you want him at center is you think he's going to have the puck a lot more, um, which isn't a bad thing for a guy that that talented, but yeah, there there seems to be a little bit of a drop off for Tavares, and I think he'll have a tougher time maintaining a, a point a game kind of pace, which he's really had his whole career. Uh, if if you watch him in the offensive zone, most often than not, the, the, he gravitates to that six foot area uh, around the net, uh, looking for redirects and looking for tip ins. Uh, rebounds, uh, which means that probably uh, outside of that, Lafferty or, or, or Matthew Nyes has to have the puck a lot um, to get it there. So uh, that will be interesting uh, to see. And if by, by fact, you know, by, by chance they, they strike lightning with Willie at center, uh, you know, the question is by the end of the year, if in fact he's still in that position, does it look like it's Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares on the third line center? Um, and, and maybe, um, you know, ultimately they want to see if if Tavares' production does drop a little bit. Can you can you turn him into, you know, a guy that's uh, 
more of a checking role centerman if he does drop to 60 or 65 points and does it kind of reverse itself uh, to, to the look of a third-line center for Nylander by the end of the year. But again, this will this will all be dictated on, on Willie's success early, and we'll get a, a good look at it, I think, at training camp in, in October to see if, if there are long-term ramifications to, to this move. Uh, Nick Kiprios on the phone, co-host of Real Kipper and Born, which returns to radio October 3rd. Um, Brad Living, of course, uh, speaks at the media day. We only see four Leaf players and, of course, Sheldon Keefe as well. So it was a bit of a different feel. But I, I wonder if you took anything from Living and the way that Living was talked about. I mean, a lot, a lot of discussion about, um, you know, things being a little bit of a mess or disjointed because it's all of Kyle Dubas's people and Brad Treliving is suddenly in charge of all of Kyle Dubas's people. And if, I guess we're not inside the room. We're not inside all the discussions. We don't know what's going on on the Slack chat for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But seamless is kind of the word that I would go to in terms of how it all fit. I mean, it looks like Brad Treliving belongs and it looks like everyone's on board for the Brad Treliving era. I guess that is a bit of a front because, yeah, it's, it's you know, PR. It's what you do. You want things to look like everything's going well. Uh, but did anything stand out for you when it, as it pertains to Brad Treliving in his first few moments uh, in session with the media to start his first full season with the Maple Leafs? N- nothing at all. Nothing surprised me. Uh, Brad's been around. He's got media savvy. He understands uh, the temperature of of managing an NHL team in Canada. And yeah, it jumps about uh, you know five or ten notches when you move from Calgary to Toronto with the the media and the scrutiny and all of that. But the guy's he's been around and he's a smart guy and he's a personable guy. And a lot on the media side, you know, being around it as a, as a, you know, watching it from afar uh, as a kid growing up and then watching it as a player and then being in the business, and, you know, for 25 years now, like the majority of, of the media here, you know, want to give anybody the benefit of the doubt. And, and they're okay with that as long as they get the respect that I have a job to do. And sometimes it's not an easy job, and sometimes it's a, you know, it's an opinionated job. If I get my facts correct, or if I've done my homework, there has to be a, a mutual respect between a, a guy like Brad and the media. And right now, it's it's a bit of a love affair, and uh, it's working out great. And Brad's got savvy to to understand it and work with it. So listen, like I said, you know, if you go back to the top of our, our, our talk today, everybody's happy today. Everybody's got a playoff team. Everybody thinks that they can compete. All their rookies are awesome. All their veterans never look better. (laughs) And then the season starts. So we'll see where we are two weeks, three weeks from now, and not just for Toronto, but Mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20 teams are going to be sitting there going, we're, we're not as good as we thought, you know, in middle of September. 
One person that's not happy, uh, Stephen Samkos, disappointed outwardly uh, to the media and talking about the lack of contract extension talk and then uh, GM uh, Julian Brisebois saying, oh, we're going to have to take some time to think about it and see how the puzzle pieces play out and let the season go. Uh, what'd you make of that? You know, Captain of the Lightning franchise player who's going to be UFA this upcoming offseason, uh, kind of between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, it's... Um it's twofold here. Uh, you know, we can look at it from Steven Stamkos's eyes and, and say, yeah, I'd be pissed too. I deliver, you know, Stanley Cups. I lead this team. I want to retire as a Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, you're giving me the, the shoo-shoo, you know, for talks right now. And on the other hand, like, if you take a look at, at, at the way the salary cap works, and it, it doesn't – it doesn't lend for you. Know, we're going to pay you for for past if we think that you know there's not that much more to squeeze out of you moving forward, and that's really where I think Breezeball and, and Tampa Bay are right now. Is like okay, if we do sign them, what's the ask, and how good are we going to be, and is this going to be a contract we're going to regret, and. All of those conversations are going on in the Tampa Bay management uh, office daily on, okay, what's the price? What's the term? And what kind of team are we going to have in the next two, three, or four years? And as much as you want to look after people like you have in the past, the CBA doesn't allow it. It's a horrible. Like, I mean, we've seen so many different signs of this CBA being bad for, for teams, the fans, and the players, and this is just another example of why this is such a bad CBA when a guy like Stamkos and everything he's done for the organization uh, through the tough times and the great times can't get looked after. It's, it's, just, yeah, it's just a brutal CBA. Maybe a GTA reunion down the road with Steven Stamkos and Maple Leafs. Ah, we'll, we'll, we'll push that into uh, some Kipper board <laughs> chat down the road. We need to move. We need to move to uh, to, to, to four to six, and and, and and then in your show to have that. Conversation. We'll break that down uh, for a lengthy discussion to come. Well, Kipper, appreciate you coming on. Uh, congratulations again on on the new time slot and the new opportunity. And we will see you um, yes. October tenth in person. But I know you guys get back on October third for radio only. So lots to come. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, congratulations to the two of you. And uh, I look forward to a continued great relationship. Yeah, we'll see you in real life, Kipper. That's Kipper. Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward and co-host of Real Kipper and Born. As we mentioned, they're October 3rd back on the radio for an hour um, slots while we work through Blue Jays season, hopefully still continuing. And then October 10th, they'll have their full show. And that's 4 to 6 p.m. 5 o'clock is a national hour national hour across uh, Sportsnet 360 as well. Surprise, Kipper's a 6 p.m. dinner guy. Feels like an 8.30 no, dinner guy. No, there's no way. Red wine, yeah, red meat. Yeah. That's Kipper to me. All right. Well, we'll have lots to learn about Kipper as we move forward. Um, let's take a break. It's our final hour of the Fan Morning Show. We're kicking it off with Jeff Blair.